What goes into making an iconic building in America? What are the stories and who are the people behind the next generation of architecture? If your work touches the real estate industry in any way, or you're just curious about what goes into one-of-a-kind cities and towns all across our country, join us on the American Building Podcast. In season two, we learn about everything from skyscrapers to single-family homes, from the famous and soon-to-be-famous designers and developers responsible for them. This season focuses particularly on the pandemic and how our buildings will change in response. Our sponsor is the iconic design firm, Michael Graves Architecture and Design. And now your host, award-winning architect turned entrepreneur, Atif Cotter, AIA. This is American Building, and I'm your host, Atif Kader. I'm the CEO of Redist, a technology company focused on innovative public financing for real estate projects. We are recording from the historic home of world-renowned architect Michael Graves in Princeton, New Jersey. Check out this amazing space for yourself at the Michael Graves Architecture and Design YouTube channel. Now, let's build something. Today on this special episode, our guest is Austin Crowley. Austin is a design architect at Michael Graves Architecture and Design. He joined the firm in 2016 after finishing his Bachelor of Architecture degree at the New Jersey Institute of Technology in Newark. He entered at Skidmore, Owings and Merrill and Present Architecture in New York. Interestingly, he has also worked as a construction inspector. He is a licensed architect having completed the process last year. Thank you so much for being here with us, Austin. Well, first of all, thank you, Atif. It really means a lot to to be a part of this podcast. Having listened to a lot of the episodes that have come out so far, it's it's really exciting for the whole industry and the profession, and uh, I'm excited to contribute as well. Thank you so much. So, Austin, tell us, what was your path to working at this amazing firm, Michael Graves Architecture and Design? Great question. So, starting from the very beginning... You know, I never really knew what I wanted to do in life, but I did know that it would eventually be something that was creative. I found an amazing amount of inspiration from music, from nature, from drawing, even when I was very young, but I, I never really knew what exactly it would translate to. So after high school, I, I dove into architecture school at NJIT, and I was fortunate enough to have really fantastic professors who pushed the way that we thought really creatively, mm-hmm. really freely. And I was really able to apply this inspiration into conceptual design. So it was funny. I I really just kind of fell in love with architecture, not really knowing what I was getting into out of high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just kind of aligned and and really worked out perfectly for me. So in the later years of school, I really started becoming obsessed with with architecture and not singularly as a, a college major per se, but really as a way of thinking. I found myself entering into many design competitions, anything I could really get my hands on, even if it meant doing competitions in my off hours from from studio and from internships. But I was hooked. And what I really loved is that every project, no matter the scale, no matter the location, really had its own set of, of challenges and variables. And through that, I was kind of able to apply my creativity to every different project in such a new way. So that was through school. And then once I came close to graduating upon 
many applications and and looking around at different firms, I was fortunate enough to get a very unique opportunity that really caught my interest. And that was interviewing here at Michael Graves. Mm-hmm. At the time of my interview, Michael had passed away about a year before I had interviewed here. So unfortunately, I was never able to meet him. But during my interview, one of the partners spoke about how the firm was really in search of their future. And that stuck with me and still sticks with me to this day. You know, there were many other firms that I, I interviewed at and applied to, but, you know, knowing that I could come in here and, and really explore what the future of the firm was, was, was super mm-hmm. fascinating to me. And making this a little more widespread, it was really, you know, trying to think of who they were from an aesthetic standpoint, uh, from a culture standpoint, and even from a brand standpoint. So it was a lot more than coming here to do architecture. It was kind of this multidisciplined, you know, family here that I could come into and and really explore and work towards what the future was. So again, being a part of this kind of identity rebranding effort was something that totally drew me in here. And I think I really liked what you were you were talking about towards the end of your answer about a firm in search of its future. And I think at the uh, now towards the end of season two, we've had the opportunity to talk to almost 40 really amazing practitioners in our field, either as designers or developers. And I think the common thread amongst all these very different people and their very different work that they do is this idea of reinventing themselves every day and making sure that what they are producing and what they're working on is reflective of the conditions and the clients at that time. And I think that too often what our industry has celebrated are these ideas of singular senses of genius that come down from heaven and are independent of the the time or the context in which uh, they're in. And I think that model is dead. So (laughs) I I, I like the model that you described much better. So tell me, so you're at Michael Graves. What does a day-to-day look like for you here? So uh, again, coming here and and being a part of this kind of working on the rebranding, working on who we actually Mm -hmm. are today has been a lot of my day-to-day since being here. I am very heavily involved with a lot of the conceptual design, a lot of kind of the early storytelling that leads us to, you know, the later phases of a project and essentially making everything run smoothly all the way to completion. But what I try to do day to day here, in addition to the architecture work and design work that we get to do is remember that we have to go back to these principles of Michael. It's very easy to sit here and design projects that look foreign or are matching contemporary needs that you see from around the world. But I think what's critical about our firm and what's very unique about our firm is we have this really elaborate legacy of work from Michael, which we we try to take these principles, we try to take his his use of light, his use of forms, and apply that to architecture that aesthetically looks a little bit different today. And again, going back to your point, it's due to, you know, the world is constantly evolving and changing, mm-hmm. right? And I think as designers, no matter what you're doing in the world of design, you really need to adapt and evolve to meet those needs, right? For, for what people need and what people want today. But we always make sure that we're bridging that with this amazing legacy and this use of innovation and storytelling that Michael was always really wonderful at. I think that's a really... Really great way of answering that question in a, a motivational way as opposed to a vocational way. 
because I think maybe a too easy of an answer would be, so I wake up at nine o'clock, <laughs> go to the office, draw stuff and go home. <laughs> but I think that that would be selling your role uh, very short. But just so people that are perhaps looking to get into a position like yours, do give us a frame of reference of what does like, say perhaps a morning, an afternoon and an early evening look like? What are the things that you're doing in your role? Sure. So uh, one thing about our firm, which is another reason that it, it drew me into to work here, is we're smaller, but as working here, you get to wear many hats, mm-hmm. which I find really interesting. So what I'll do first thing in the morning, I'll come in. Usually we do a brainstorm session right away when we come in. There's always multiple projects going on, but we'll sit around a table, bring out some trace and say, you know, all right, what are, you know, this project hasn't started yet. It hasn't totally kicked off, but how do we how do we brainstorm the brainstorming session, right? How do we mm-hmm. even, before we get there and talk to the client, how do we come up with a story that puts the conversation in the right direction? So my, my mornings are usually consisting of that. But again, we have other projects that are in CDs and CA right now. So usually I'll hop in, do some submittals and some CA in the afternoon. But I would say 90% of my time is is really working on these concepts and these stories and being a part of that really initial phase in the projects that gets the clients excited about something mm-hmm. and really, you know, allows them to to join in on the conversation and make it collaborative. So it sounds like there are many people involved, different perspectives in order to progress a project from uh, one stage to the next. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you know, the, the other voices that come into the project, the, the shareholders, the mm-hmm. even you know neighbors of the community who are interested, mm-hmm. that makes architecture so exciting to me. And I know it does to our team here, too. It's it's trying to echo the voices of, of making a project that's not egotistical, right? Not something that's in our mm-hmm. mind and, and put down and built, but something that's collaborative and uh, means a lot to the community. So... In the context of what you've said, this idea of envisioning and changing what your firm is, and as a relatively young person, you're in your early tw- mid twenties, right? Mid to end twenties, yeah, twenty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> mid twenties goes all the way to twenty-nine. There you FYI, go. So I'll tell you that. <laughs> so relatively young in a career, but you have a, a powerful hand in a relatively small firm, uh, size-wise, and you have a really interesting day-to-day. In the context of of all those opportunities, all those things that you're doing, looking for not just for branding your firm, but but branding you, like what do you want to accomplish in the the career that you have ahead of you? It's funny because I mean I feel like when you graduate college, and I know from talking to a lot of my colleagues, we we know where we want to get to right at some point, and then mm-hmm. you start off as a professional, and so many paths are there for you. Specifically in architecture, there's really the technical path, there's the project management path, and then there's that design path. I always kind of aligned very well with that design path. It was always, you know, mm-hmm. echoing my interest for my whole life and, and what I'm really passionate about. But I do hope to continue on that role, hopefully to continue as a design leader, you know, in the world and and continue that conversation. But right now my real passion is specific to this firm and really trying to continue down that path of echoing Michael's, mm-hmm. Michael's storytelling and innovation and tying it with new things that we're seeing, right? Lead and well, 
are mm-hmm. things that are meeting the needs of people today. But, you know, how does our brand tie into that? So, you know, continuing along that path, again, it's exciting. And I have a great team here to work with and, and that supports me. So I love your answer. And I think that what is sometimes lost for folks that are at the beginning of their career is how much time they do have. And I think that what I really encourage younger architects and younger um, real estate developers or investors to do is take the time, slow down, observe, ask, and learn. Because when you get into your 30s to your 40s, like, so for example, I'm 39. And at this point, my role is to produce in terms of clients and investors for my business for for Redist. And it's meant to make sure that the, or my primary was to make sure the company doesn't go off the rails. Uh, So in order to do that, I need to have learned and observed so much in the 15 years before that things become obvious to me when I look at them within like 10 seconds. And I think oftentimes if someone's eye is too far towards the future and not looking at what they're doing right now, you won't give yourself the benefit of taking in all of that information that allows you to then become a really, really good, competent decision maker when you're in a leadership role at a firm. I really couldn't agree with that more. And I try to be a mentor here now. There's mm-hmm. there's people here who are younger and um, taking those first two years and just kind of be a sponge, mm-hmm. right? Just kind of listen to how people interact with certain situations, you know, interact with some of the more difficult clients. You, you can really learn a lot from just kind of absorbing that in your first few years. And then what I found personally is, you know, I sat there and I listened to the mentors that I thought would be really great to work with. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the path that I aligned myself with. So I, I, again, I'm super passionate about it and I really look forward to the future. Terrific. So thanks so much for joining us today on this special episode of the American Building Podcast, Austin. Atif, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Listeners, if you want to hear the behind the scenes stories of how iconic buildings in our country were designed and built, subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Uh, Rate and review us on iTunes to help us reach a wider audience. And please follow us on Instagram at American Building Podcast. My name is Atif Kader, and this has been American Building.